Chapter Eight of the Crown of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Crown of Life by George Gissing. Chapter Eight. When he awoke next morning from a heavy sleep, Piers suffered the half recollection of some reproachful dream. His musty palate and dull brain reminded him of Alexander's whisky matter that for self-reproach but in the background was something more he had dreamt of his father and seemed to have discharged in sleep a duty still in reality neglected that namely of responding to the old man's offer of advice respecting the use he should make of his money out of four hundred pounds two hundred were already given away for he had no serious expectation that his brothers would repay the so-called loans plainly it behoved him to be frank on this subject affectionate loyalty to his father had ever been a guiding principle of piers otway's life he was uneasy under the sense that he had begun to slip towards neglectfulness towards careless independence he would have written this morning but after all it was better to wait until he had settled the doubt which made havoc of his days at heart he knew that he would not present himself for the civil service examination but he durst not yet put the resolve into words it seemed a sort of madness after so many months of laborious preparation and the fixity of purpose which had grown with his studious habit and what a return for the patient kindness with which his father had counselled and assisted him he thought of daniel and alexander was he too going to drift in life instead of following a steadfast manly course the perception and fear of such a danger were something new to him piers had seen himself as an example of moral and intellectual vigour his abandonment of commerce had shown as strong a step in practical wisdom the fourteen hours of daily reading had flattered his pride thereupon came this sudden collapse of the whole scheme he could no longer endure the prospects for which he had toiled so strenuously but for shame he would have bundled together all the books that lay on his table and have flung them out of sight in the afternoon he sought a private conversation with mrs hannaford it was not easily managed as hannaford and olga were both at home but by watching and waiting he caught a moment when the lady stood alone in the garden do you think um, he asked with tremulous sudden speech that i might call at dr derwent's why not was the answer but given with troubled countenance oh you mean she smiled call upon miss derwent there would be no harm she is the lady of the house at present would she be annoyed i don't see why oh, but of course i can't answer for another person in such things their eyes met mrs hannaford gazed at him sadly for an instant shook her head and turned away Piers went back to lonely misery early next day he stole from the house and went to london his business was at the tailor's he ordered a suit of ceremony the frock coat on which his brother daniel had so pathetically insisted and begged that it might be ready at the earliest possible moment next he made certain purchases in haberdashery through it all he had a most oppressive feeling of self-contempt which piers was but one-and-twenty he did not try to analyse every shop mirror which reflected him seemed to present a malicious caricature he hurried away on to the pavement 
small ignoble silly his heart did battle and at moments assailed him in a triumph of heroic desire but then again came the sinking moments the sense of a grovelling fellowship with people he despised it was raining his shopping done he entered an omnibus which took him as far as the marble arch thence beneath his umbrella he walked in search of bryanston square here was dr derwent's house very much like a burglar a beginner at the business making survey of his field he moved timidly into the square and sought the number having found it with unexpected suddenness he hurried past to be detected here would be dreadful he durst not go to the opposite side lest irene should perchance to be at a window yet he wanted to observe the house and did from behind his umbrella when a few doors away never had he known what it was to feel such an insignificant mortal standing here in the rain he saw no distinction between himself and the ragged muddy crossing sweeper alike they were lost in the huge welter of common london on the other hand there in the hard-fronted exclusive-looking house sat irene derwent a pearl of women the prize of wealth distinction and high manliness what was this wild dream he had been harbouring like a chill wind reality smote him in the face he turned away saying to himself that he was cured of folly on the journey home he shaped a project he would seek an interview with the head of the city house in which he had spent so much time and worked so conscientiously a quite approachable man as he knew from experience and would ask if he might be allowed to re-enter their service not however in london but in their place of business at odessa he had made a good beginning with russian and living in russia might hope soon to master the language if necessary he would support himself at odessa for a time until he was capable of serving the firm in some position of trust yes this is what he would do it gave him a new hope for alexander foolish fellow as he might be in some respects had spoken the truth on the subject of money-making the best and surest way was by honourable commerce money he must have a substantial position a prospect of social advance not for their own sake these things but as steps to the only end he felt worth living for an ideal marriage he marvelled that the end of life should have been so obscure to him hitherto knowledge what satisfaction was there in that fame what profit in that by itself yet he had thought these aims predominant had been willing to toil day and night in such pursuits his eyes were open his first torturing love might be for ever frustrate but it had revealed him to himself he looked forth upon the world its activities and its glories and behold there was for him but one prize worth winning the love of the ideal woman he found a letter at ewell it contained a card of invitation mrs john jacks graciously announced to him that she would be at home on an evening a week hence at nine o'clock how came he to have forgotten the jacks family not once had he mentioned to miss derwent that he was on friendly terms with these most respectable people what a foolish omission it would at once have given him a better standing in her sight have smoothed their social relations 
instantly his plan of exile was forgotten he would accept this invitation and on the same day in the afternoon he would boldly call at the derwents why not as mrs hannaford said john jacks m p was undoubtedly the social superior of dr derwent admitted to the house at queen's gate one might surely with all confidence present oneself in bryanston square was he not an educated man by birth a gentleman if he had no position why who had at one-and-twenty how needlessly he had been humiliating and discouraging himself in the highest spirits he went down into the garden to talk with mrs hannaford and olga they gazed at him astonished he was a new creature he joked and laughed and could hardly contain his exuberance of joy when there fell from him a casual mention of mrs jack's card no one could have imagined that this was the explanation of his altered mood mrs hannaford felt sure that he had been to see irene and had received or fancied some sort of encouragement olga thought so too and felt sorry to see him in a fool's paradise that very evening he sat down and resolved to work he had an appetite for it once more he worked till long after midnight and on the morrow kept his old hours moreover he wrote a long letter to hawes a good frank letter giving his father a full account of the meetings with daniel and alexander and telling all about the pecuniary transactions i hope you will not think i behaved very foolishly indeed it has given me pleasure to share with them my trouble is lest you should think i acted in complete disregard of you but if i am to do a good turn remember dear father that it is to you i owe this habit of mind and i shall not need money i feel it practically certain that i shall get my office and then it will go smoothly the examination draws near and i am working like a trojan hmm. i cannot carp at you wrote jerome otway in reply but tighten the purse-strings after this and be not overmuch familiar with alexander the little or daniel the purblind their ways are not mine let them not be yours he had to run up to town for the trying on of his new garments and this time the business gave him satisfaction in future he would be seeing much more society he must have a decent regard for appearances his spirits faltered not they were in harmony with the june weather never had he laboured to such purpose everything seemed easy he strode with giant strides into the field of knowledge papers such as would be set him at the examination were matter for his mirth mere schoolboy tests now and then he rose from study with a troublesome dizziness and of a morning his head generally ached a little but these were trifles as a german friend of his at geneva used to say even on the morning of the great day he worked it was to prove his will-power his worthiness after lunch clad in the garb of respectability he went up by a quick train his evening suit he had previously dispatched to alexander's abode where he was to dine and dress at four o'clock he was in bryanston square tremulous but sanguine a different man from him who had sneaked about here under the umbrella he knocked the servant civilly informed him that miss derwent was not at home asked his name and bowed him away it was a shock 
this possibility had not entered his mind so engrossed was he in forecasting in dramatising the details of the interview looking like one who has received some dreadful news he turned slowly from the door and walked away with head down probably no event in all his life had given him such a sense of desolating frustration at once the sky was overcast the ways were woebegone he shrank within his new garments and endured once more the feeling of personal paltriness though the time before him was so long he had no choice but to go at once to theobald's road where at all events friendly faces would greet him the streets of london are terrible to one who is both lonely and unhappy the indifference of their hard egotism becomes fierce hostility instead of merely disregarding they crush as soon as he could command his thoughts piers made for the shortest way and hurried on mrs otway admitted him alexander she said was away on business but would soon return on entering the large room piers was startled at the change in its appearance the well-carpeted floor the numerous chairs of inviting depth and softness the centre-table the handsome bureau the numerous pictures and a multitude of knick-knacks not to be taken in at one glance made it plain that most of the money he had lent his brother had been expended at once in this direction bridget stood watching his face and at the first glimmer of a smile broke into jubilation what did he think how did he like it wasn't it a room to be proud of she knew it would do his kind heart good to see such splendours let him sit down after selecting his chair and take it all in while she got some tea no wonder it took away his breath she herself had hardly yet done gazing in mute ecstasy it's been such a feast for my eyes mr piers that i've scarcely wanted to put a bit in my mouth since the room was finished when alexander arrived he greeted his brother as though with rapturous congratulation one would have thought some great good fortune had befallen the younger man biddy he shouted i've a grand idea we'll celebrate the occasion with a dinner out we'll go to a restaurant hanged if you shall have the trouble of cooking on such a day as this get ready make yourself beautiful though you're always that we'll dine early as piers has to leave us at nine o'clock outcries and gesticulations confirmed the happy thought tea over piers was dismissed to the bedroom very bare and uncomfortable this to don his evening suit and by six o'clock the trio set forth they drove in a cab to festive regions and as one to the manor born alexander made speedy arrangements for their banquet an odd-looking party the young man's ceremonious garb and not ungraceful figure contrasting with his brother's aspect of bohemian carelessness and jollity whilst bridget adorned in striking colours would have passed for anything you like but a legitimate and devoted spouse once again did piers stifle his conscience in face of the exhilarating bottle indeed he drank deliberately to drown his troubles and before the second course had already to some extent succeeded alexander talked of his journalistic prospects whether there was any special reason for hopefulness piers could not discover 
it seemed probable that here also the windfall of fifty pounds had changed the aspect of the world to hear him one might have supposed that the struggling casual contributor had suddenly been offered some brilliant appointment on a great journal but he discoursed with magnificent vagueness and could not be brought to answer direct questions his attention to the wine was unremittent he kept his brother's glass full nor was bridget allowed to shirk her convivial duty at dessert appeared a third bottle by this time piers was drinking without heed to results jovially mechanically glass after glass talking too in a strain of nebulous imaginativeness there could be little doubt he hinted that one of his parliamentary friends john jacks had been insensibly multiplied would give him a friendly lift a secretaryship was sure to come pretty quickly and then who knew what opening might present itself he wouldn't mind a consulship for a year or two at some agreeable place but eventually who could doubt it he would enter the house why of course cried alexander the outline of his career was plain beyond discussion and let him go in strong for home rule that would be the great question for the next few years until it was triumphantly settled private information from a source only to be hinted at assured him that mr gladstone after the recent defeat was already hard at work preparing another bill oh, come now they must drink to home rule justice to ireland and the world supremacy of the british empire that was his toast they interrupted their sipping of green chartreuse to drink it in brimming glasses of claret we'll drive you to queen's gate said alexander when piers began to look at his watch no hurry my boy the night is young and he broke into lyric quotation haply the queen moon is on her throne clustered around with all her starry fays i shall never forget this dinner shall you biddy we'll have a song when we get home one little matter had to be attended to the paying of the bill having glanced carelessly at the total alexander began to search his pockets why hang it he exclaimed what a fellow i am piers it is really too absurd but i shall have to ask you to lend me a sovereign i can't make up enough a stupid carelessness biddy why didn't you ask me if i'd got money oh no no just a sovereign piers i have the rest i'll pay you back to-morrow morning with laughter at such a capital joke piers dispersed the coin oh, quaint comical fellow this brother of his he liked him and was beginning to like biddy too a cab bore them all to queen's gate alexander and his wife making the journey just for the fun of the thing piers would have paid for the vehicle back to theobald's road but this his brother declined he and mrs otway preferred the top of a bus this warm night they parted at mr jack's door where carriages and cabs were stopping every minute or two i'll sit up for you piers roared alexander genially you'll want a whisky and soda after this job come along biddy 
in another frame of mind piers would have felt the impropriety of these loud remarks at such a moment even as it was he would doubtless have regretted the incident had he turned his head to observe the two persons who had just alighted and were moving up the steps close behind him a young slim and perfectly equipped man with features expressive of the most becoming sentiment a lady or girl of admirable figure with bright intelligent handsome face these two exchanged a look they exchanged a discreet murmur and were careful not to overtake piers otway in the hall he hat and overcoat surrendered moved up the gleaming staircase a sound of soft music fluttered his happy temper seeing his form in a mirror he did not at once recognise himself for his face had a high colour with the result of making him far more comely than at ordinary times he stepped firmly on delighted to be here eager to perceive his hostess mrs jacks for a moment failed to remember him but needless to say that this did not appear in her greeting which as she recollected dropped upon a tone of special friendliness to her piers otway was the least interesting of young men but her husband had spoken of him very favourably and mrs jacks had a fine sense of her duty on such points piers was dazzled by the lady's personal charm her brilliantly pure complexion her faultless shoulders and soft white arms her pose of consummate dignity and courtesy happily his instincts and his breeding held their own against perilous circumstance excited as he was nothing of the cause appeared in his brief colloquy with the hostess and he acquitted himself very creditably a little farther on john jacks advanced to him with cordial welcome so glad you could come uh, by the by he lowered his voice if you have any trouble about trains back to yule do let us put you up for the night just stay or not as you like delighted if you do piers replied that he was staying at his brother's whereupon john jacks became suddenly thoughtful said uh, oh i see and with a pleasant smile turned to someone else only when it was too late did piers remember that mr jacks possibly had a private opinion about jerome otway's elder sons he wished above all things that he could have accepted the invitation oh, but doubtless it would be repeated some other time as he looked about him at the gathering guests he recalled his depression this afternoon in bryanston square and it seemed to him so ridiculous that he could have laughed aloud as if he would not have other chances of calling upon irene derwent oh but to be sure he must provide himself with visiting cards a trifling point but he had since reflected on it with some annoyance a hand was extended to him a pink delicate but shapely hand which his eyes fell upon as he stood in half reverie he exchanged civilities with arnold jacks i think some particular friends of yours are here said arnold the derwents indeed are they miss derwent piers vivacity caused the other to examine him curiously i only learned a day or two ago arnold pursued that you knew each other 
i knew miss derwent i haven't met dr derwent or her brother are they here yet i wish you would introduce me again arnold smiling discreetly scrutinized the young man's countenance and for an instant seemed to reflect as he glanced around the doctor perhaps hasn't come but i see eustace derwent shall we go and speak to him they walked towards irene's brother piers gazing this way and that in eager hope of perceiving irene herself he was wild with delight could fortune have been kinder under what more favourable circumstance could he possibly have renewed his relations with miss derwent eustace turning at the right moment stood face to face with arnold jacks who presented his companion and then moved away had he lingered john jack's critical son would have found hints for amused speculation in the scene that followed for eustace derwent remembering as always what he owed to himself and to society behaved with entire politeness only like certain beverages downstairs it was iced otway did not immediately become aware of this i think we missed each other only by an hour or two when you brought miss derwent to yule that very day curiously i was lunching here indeed said eustace with a marble smile miss derwent is here i hope pursued piers not with any offensive presumption but speaking as he thought rather impetuously i believe miss derwent is in the room was the answer uttered with singular gravity and accompanied with a particularly freezing look this time piers could not but feel that eustace derwent was speaking oddly in his peculiar condition however he thought it only an amusing characteristic of the young man he smiled and was about to continue the dialogue when with a slight quick bow the other turned away disagreeable fellow that said piers to himself i hope the doctor isn't like him who could imagine him irene's brother his spirits were not in the least affected indeed every moment they grew more exuberant as the wine he had drunk wrought progressively upon his brain only he could have wished that his cheeks and ears did not burn so seeing himself again in a glass he decided that he really was too high-coloured it would pass no doubt meanwhile his eyes kept seeking miss derwent the longer she escaped him the more vehement grew his agitation ah there she was seated and had been hidden by a little group standing in front at this moment eustace derwent was bending to speak to her she gave a nod in reply to what he said as soon as the objectionable brother moved from her side piers stepped quickly forward how delightful to meet you here it seems too good to be true i called this afternoon at your house called to see you but you were not at home i little imagined i would see you this evening irene raised her eyes and let them fall back upon her fan raised them again and observed the speaker attentively i was told you had called mr otway how her voice thrilled him what music like that voice it made him live through his agonies again which by contrast heightened the rapture of this hour 
may i sit down by you pray do he remarked nothing of her coldness he was conscious only of her presence of the perfume which breathed from her and made his heart faint with longing irene again glanced at him and her countenance was troubled she looked to left and right sure that they were not overheard and addressed him with quick directness where did you dine mr otway dine oh, oh at a restaurant with one of my brothers and his wife did your brother and his wife accompany you to this house piers was startled he gazed into her face and irene allowed him to meet her eyes which reminded him most unpleasantly of the look he had seen in those of eustace why do you ask that miss derwent he faltered i will tell you i happened to be just behind you as you entered and couldn't help hearing the words shouted to you by your brother will you forgive me for mentioning such a thing and as your friend will you let me say that i think it would be unfortunate if you were introduced to my father this evening he's not here yet but he will be i have taken a great liberty mr otway but it seemed to me that i had no choice when an unpleasant thing has to be done i always try to do it quickly piers was no longer red of face a terrible sobriety had fallen upon him his lips quivered cold currents ran down his spine he looked at irene with the eyes of a dog entreating mercy had i um <clears throat> his dry throat forced him to begin again had i better go now that is as you think fit piers stood up bowed before her gave her one humble imploring look and walked away he went down as though to the supper-room in a few minutes he had left the house he walked to waterloo station and by the last train returned to ewell chapter eight